Welcome to a new episode of Blue Jay Bite. Now, here's your host, my dad, Brian Ott. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Bryant Ott alongside Matt DeMarinas. We're from whiteandbluereview.com. Your home for great athletic uh, news coverage. Over, over. Gonna I'm gonna stand, dude. I'm a stander. Stand. You can sit though. I'm gonna sit. You sit. I'm You've been chill. at practice all day. You've been chilling. Yeah. You but deserve I sit it. Sit there too. So like. <laughs> yeah, but you, it's hard for me to. But go you to watch like, a bunch of people play yeah, basketball very they intensely. Exert themselves while John and I sit. That makes and watch. sense. Hey man, I feel and we, you. We do off-color podcasts. Yeah. So we we've got your news, your coverage, your overreactions. All, well, I handle the overreactions part. You right. are kind of the. It's I'm like here, good cop, bad cop, kind of. Or. It, it, that's a good way to put it. I'm here to pull you back from the ledge. I or, appreciate or tell it. you to stand there if it's you know if it's reasonable. It's been a ledge-based week. Has it? Um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't talked to you like I didn't talk to you after Marquette, and then Villanova happened again. So like, I haven't. So there's two games that I haven't like spoken to you since. Yeah, not that our listeners need any reminder, but um, the last week plus of Jay's hoops. The last time we were in this building, frankly, uh, we had a big viewing party for Creighton at Providence on New Year's Eve afternoon. Jays pick up a road dub, and we good? We're good. Okay. Jays pick up a road dub in their Big East opener. Uh, you know, the rose or the blue, the blue colored glasses go on New Year's Eve afternoon. Everybody imbibes the afternoon away, and uh, you look in. You, you know, you're looking at a split on the. Uh, Looking at a split on the road trip to start, and they got that. Obviously, they got pounced by Butler at Hinkle. Um, and then the Jays welcome Marquette and Villanova to home. You figure there, too, you're hoping for a split. I mean, you'd like to protect your home court, uh, but realistically, with Marquette and Villanova being top half of the, top half of the league teams, um, you're hoping for a split. You looked like you were going to get one last Wednesday. All hell breaks loose in the last couple seconds of that game. Yeah, uh, it was not a good night uh, for Jays fans last Wednesday. Leaving. I am curious for your reaction to it, though. Like, that's – I'm not going to say I was, like, sadistically excited to be here tonight, but, you know, I was curious to walk by your section after it was brutal, the game man. to see how you were dealing with the it, aftermath of the reality of how that market yeah. game transpired uh, because – you know, in it was a game that Creighton essentially had one and gave away. So, um, I mean, I'm I curious how that sat with you. I kept telling people that it was the damnedest thing I'd ever seen in person at a Creighton basketball game at home. Really? I've seen a lot of crazy shit over the years, uh-huh. um, and that was that was by far statistically the most improbable thing I've seen happen. Can you can you if you if you can remember? Uh, the details of your reaction. Take me through. Um, Are we going to do like? Let's the, go with everything from like the your seven reaction s- to Martine blocking uh, Marcus Howard's shot, getting fouled, and going to the line. So take me through everything from that stop and Martine blocking his. I think it was a twelve for. What was he? Eleven for thirteen. Eleven. For so 12. that was what he I was. Eleven for twelve at the line at that point. So walking down. Yeah. So walking. It's a major free throw. Walking like, down the other end, I just kept thinking to myself, "Is this going to be the point in the game when the when the free throws bother? Right? Where the where the free throws bite us?" Okay. And Martin, I, I I had felt I do, I don't pay a ton of attention to the non scoreboard 
individual stats during the course of a game. I like to come home, see if what I felt like was going on during the course of the game was in fact going on. I felt like Martin had had a really good night at the line, um, and I kind of felt because of that that he was maybe due to miss one or both. And he steps up, knocks them both down. I thought that was gravy, obviously. Because um, at the, that point, they're up five. To the to, like seven points. Right. To go. So to that point, I give my oldest son a huge swipe on the behind, like okay. in, a, in a happy, ecstatic, yeah. hey, buddy. You know, because he didn't get to, we didn't take him to the Villanova game last year. Not that Marquette 2019 is comparable to Villanova 2018. Right. Um, but this was going to be the biggest win that he had seen at home. Right, in terms of, you know, ranked team. This shakes it to a whole new level. Because what happened was, oh, dude, you don't even want to know <laughs> how bad it's I'm been. I'm excited to this find This is out. unraveling yep. for me in front yep. of a bunch of people in this bar that don't care, but they're, they're going to be along for the ride here. That's right. The pain and the torture. That's why they're here. Because um, I kept talking to him and telling him, you got you to gotta take, don't take for granted what you're seeing Marcus Howard do. I mean, the fact that he got to witness that, I was so pumped. At that point, for, it was just 39 points, right? But I was so pumped for him to witness that type of scoring output and watch the Jays win. Like, opponent goes crazy, but the Jays still win. Okay. Opponent has an amazing night. Jays still come out with the dub. So I'm like, hey, you know, make sure you take all this in. And then all hell breaks loose. So, uh, you know, I have no problem with them giving up the second chance points so, to Chartuni or Chartuderie. So you were or, still cool at that point. You were still cool with, like, let them go to the rim, shoot whatever they want. Don't because foul statistically like, speaking, right. there's no way for them to win the game, Matt. Right. Okay. Right. So you're good with all of that. that so here's everything that transpired before point zero zero point eight. And I'm not gonna like you know me. I try not to bash on kids. I don't know how hard these kids work. I don't know. They, God knows they're way better at basketball than anything I could ever put together in my life. Okay. The minute that I started to really freak, no joke. You can ask everybody in section one twenty three. Was <laughs> when he subbed Cash Ion. I was like. Okay, this kid's coming in way cold off the bench. And I had watched the previous couple weeks where it seemed like in any big spot, he, I know the kind of practice player that you tell me he is. Okay, so, but there's still 0.8. All you do is get the ball Doesn't touched him about you were freaking I, out. Freaking out, right. yeah. Okay, okay. And not if anything other than that's a tough spot to put him in, but they still had a timeout in their pockets. Right. So I'm like, okay, even if things get a little weird or a lot weird, you still have the timeout, okay? And then you kind of see Martin and one of the Hauser boys, right, get tangled up in the middle we of the court. I can't remember if it was Joey or Sam. I John can't. and I both were like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> blacked out at that point. Uh, the fact that the fact that Cashaw could have literally handed the ball across. The baseline. Throwing it at Wojo's face. Doesn't matter. Yeah. He could, frankly, he could have shot, like, he could have just. Tried to shoot it over the back. Right, like Larry Bird style from, yeah. like, the McDonald's commercial. Right. Whatever. Right. He could have done whatever except I love the, for. I love thinking of ways they could have inbounded the ball to kill. <laughs> that was probably. Matt, I don't that's wanna, what like, I had to do. That's what I had to do. Like That's what work, I had to do the yeah. whole next day. They work hard to, like, they wanted that win. They earned it. And it's, it's like, it's, it's bad to make fun of it. But I, like. I'm not going to lie, I've had like a lot of, in my mind, trying to think of ways sure. to kill point eight. Right. That could have been Bring the kid out that was juggling shit on his chin. Have him hug the ball. Like, there was all sorts of stuff they could have done. Right, right. And um, I just, God love Brad Williams, photographer for WBR. His shot from the other end, f as the ball is coming 
back through the baseline, the opposite baseline, and you can just see Mitch. Mitch's face God. is every Creighton fan. Like, I uh, what just happening. happened? Yeah. Right. So they just did the most. I mean, I. So then I was just in shock, that right? They gave the ball back. Okay. That they gave the ball back. All right. But I'm thinking to myself, still point eight, 8 seconds. They yeah. have to make an amazing play to get a shot even up, let yeah. alone. To get one released, right. For some reason, we decided to guard the paint. We had a couple guys sagging back in the lane. And not to say that that would have made, not to say those guys being out anywhere other than that spot would have made the catch even more difficult than it was. Because mm-hmm. I, I thought the catch Hauser had was a really difficult catch. There were three guys around him, yeah. And it was a deep three. Yep. And the minute that he hit it, I <laughs> just melted away really oh yeah so what was james like you got to tell me what his reactions like too. dude it was i mean he just didn't understand what was going on because it was very i mean you know how it was it was super frantic mac didn't want to take that time out at that point then to let wojo set anything else up right right and marcus howard's inbounding so you're all like they took for you right thank you like thanks wojo Wojo. (laughs) like (laughs) did that timeout wipe the sense out your brain or what Uh uh-huh but it took forever for them to look at the clock. And so I started getting text messages from my buddies that aren't at the game with us. And they're yeah. like, oh, it's not going to count. They've got the ball in his fingertips. So can I call timeout on, time on your recap real quick? Because You can use Max. Yeah. <laughs> so before immediately – so we're, we're watching, and I'm sitting next to John, and, and I didn't say anything after Hauser's shot went in. And it's funny because we have an interview with Davion Mintz that – uh, yeah, sorry, but I forgot to mention that. Big Davion Mintz interview. He felt when, when Hauser's shot got real, he had a bad vibe the minute they got the ball back. He's like, I just knew they were going to throw one in. Like, that's kind of how sure. he, he felt like it was, there were like opposing forces working against him at that point, and it was out of their control. And he felt like they were going to throw one in, and he was just like, how's it You mean happen? like every time Davion had his hand up in Marcus's face and he would just step back three on him? S- essentially, correct. Um, so, and he said he felt like Hauser's shot took he said he felt like Forever. his whole life he said it felt like his whole life flashed before his eyes in how long it took from release to swish and i'm not gonna lie that's kind of how it felt in real time like that shot was a rainbow so it did take an extra long time to get there it did and when it went in i was like i can't believe because i had written i had started writing a tweet i'm sure you after did after martin hit those two free throws that like yada 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 this and this and this creighton defeats marquette <laughs> I was just getting ready to fire it off. You know, uh, I, mean? I can't wait to see your draft folder <laughs> at the end of the season. Good God. So I had the word, like, defeat written, and it was just waiting for, like, Marquette and final score. And then Hauser – and then, like, that's when they threw it out of bounds, and I was like – and I hadn't looked down at the computer, and, like, then Hauser's shot goes in, and I go, I can't believe all of that just happened. And then John is sitting next to me, and he's like – that was that didn't go. That was after the buzzer. It was. And I mean, John, technically, John, is, John, to his credit, is hilarious because he keeps he's going to his grave with this. That he has like he, he he claims to have this ability to judge accurately if a shot was after the buzzer or not in okay. real time. So he was very Can confident he in his the... frames per blink. I call it now. Like Kay. that's my new joke. Is frames per blink. Um, because the camera apparently couldn't see enough frames per second to judge if it was out of his hand or not. Blurry, yeah. But John said, that's no good. That's not good. It's he not. even, not only did he tell me that, right after it went in, he goes, that shot was He late. tweeted after he the tweeted game. It, John that did. He that tweet, he's he like, it's not going to count, though. He literally <laughs> tweeted, it's not going to be good. Creighton will win. Like, 
And then, so they lo- they go to the longest review I ever. think I've ever been a part. I, I don't think I, which I, you just know. I didn't feel that way just because it was a big moment. No, the, I felt like that was a really really long review. The, it like was they were genuinely having trouble deciding. No, they weren't having trouble. They were having trouble. They knew it wasn't good, but they knew that what they had was inconclusive right. based on the call on the floor. And see, that's what pisses me off is call it no good on the floor, then review. Don't call it good, which I understand that's in hindsight. They're always going to call it good because of the swish. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they didn't have the frames that they needed and because then they, they go. Because had they called it no good. There was not inconclusive. Exactly. And it wouldn't have been. It would have been. No we good. see the right. NFL officials do it every single week. Right. Pictures taken of us. All right. That's, that's cool. nice. We do it every single week with NFL games. Right. They go under the hood. They start looking. And, and, and we just know that inconclusive. Like it's the conclusiveness of this. Right. Yeah. Um, what I got worried about was the minute they left the the minute they left the scores table with the review deck, they congregated the refs congregated out on midcourt and we're talking even longer and that was the super awkward part because i just knew they knew that they were going to catch shit but that they didn't have conclusive (laughs) i think that was when i realized that they were about they were in trouble to say they're about to tell all these people so you're asking me about how things devolved in section 123 that's when i turned to james is like they're gonna go to overtime he's like but it's not good it's not good i'm like no they're gonna go to overtime and then for sure shit they put the punch sign out Marquette bench in front of us is going crazy which was essentially all of ed morrow's extended family and then some white dudes from wisconsin and you know, so that's you the just, Hauser family, then, right? You just right, one of them. <laughs> and then you just knew that. Uh, I mean, you didn't know the degree to which Marcus Howard was going to go off in overtime, and that's the most frustrating part of this was the Jays held. I mean, as crazy as Marcus balled in the second half and into overtime, they were still nip and tuck with them through the first half of of, of, of OT. I mean, yeah. Marcus was making shot after shot, but oh, Mitch came down, banged a three. We came down, had a couple of decent possessions, and we were right there. Um, but then as stuff unraveled, I mean, the walk from the bottom of one section of section 123 out to the car, it was like every block we got in steps, a different uh, level of realization hit of what had just happened to the point when we were walking to the car trying to cross 10th Street. I was just like, please don't get stopped for a traffic. Please don't, because I don't want to stand. I don't want to stand here, because you could just feel how angry everybody was getting. The more and more steps that they took, the more text messages they were getting, the more like the herd mentality was feeding in on itself yeah. of what the hell did we just witness? Right. And it's the. I mean, honestly, the damnedest thing I'd ever seen in person in a basketball game. So thanks for asking. Wild. It was pretty wild. Yeah. I was I was looking forward to asking your because you know you're going to go there and you're going to get boat raced there. I think we play them their senior day or maybe well, I guess that was last year, but it's the yeah, end of the I season, it's right? Good. It's not yeah, going to be yeah. good. Um, and I mean, <laughs> Creighton shot the shit out of the ball for the whole game. I mean, they played probably their best game of the year offensively for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, and that you know that's that's tough to see. The let it fly mentality work uh, for 42 and a half minutes. Um, the fact that Marcus Howard had to play 45 minutes. He played 45 minutes, Matt. Yeah. And he still just balled see, out. See, my thing is, like, I know everybody assumes that, I guess everybody assumes the rematch or the, that this current effort was a disaster in terms of a defensive game plan. And you were going. I know you were going to the mattresses. Know, I don't yeah. know if I necessarily agree with that, and maybe you can offer some different, you know, your perspective on it. Because 
He scored 53 freaking points, and they won by two, you know? Like, they yeah. needed a miracle to get to OT, and he had one of, like, the best offensive performances of the year in college basketball. And that's what it took to get to OT. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know if the game plan of making sure the Housers don't kill you and letting Marcus Howard be a hero is a bad game plan because that was superhuman what happened. And it was karma for all the time. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to let one guy (laughs) go off, it's different. I think it's worse if you throw the kitchen sink at Marcus Howard and let the Hauser brothers get going, and then you're dealing with a three-headed monster instead of a one-headed monster. Yeah. Like To me, it feels like I know people don't like the way Mac plays percentages, but I feel like that it almost it did work. Other yeah. than a miraculous botching of an inbounds playoffs, plus a miracle shot that, hello, was after the buzzer, they right. won the I game. Mean, and that's... So, like, in my opinion, that worked. Well, yeah, I mean, the res- the, people, if people are going to hold on to the result, then the result worked. They needed a miracle, and he went off. So let him go off and take your chances. Because if the Hauser brothers get going, then it's going to be easier for Marcus Howard to get going because you're going to have to make an adjustment to stop them. So you can't – I think it's easier to just game plan to stop I thought, it all than yeah. it is to say, well, we're going to throw everything we got at making sure – Howard doesn't get shots off and then let one of the other dudes go crazy because then the whole defense is compromised at that point. So and that's that's my opinion on it. I thought Davion But we're a ways away from the rematch I anyway, th- so. What? We're a ways away from the rematch anyway, so. I thought that Davion in particular had a lot of great energy on the defensive end. Um, <clears throat> you know, you listen to the post-game interview. I mean, you know, got both he and Mitch, I mean, he and Mitch it's like what do you do? Yeah. You know. Um I thought that Marcus Howard does create some space that's being friendly. Yeah. Right? He yeah. creates some space. He uses that off arm very effectively. Very effectively, to the point where I don't know how he can dribble half the time. <laughs> um, you know, there were a couple times when he turned the corner about the most sped up that I had seen him. And I think a lot of that was because of the way the Jays had switched and the Jays were playing D. Mm-hmm. One time he slipped. Flat out slipped, was not pushed. They called a foul. The other time, he kind of did a little delay step and turned it over. I mean, that was toward the end of the game. I mean, he, he made a couple really bad turnovers there down the stretch. He had nine turnovers for the game. Yeah. That's going to happen when he's in the game for 45 minutes and he's touching. I mean, his, his percent usage just had to have been, like, oh. I can't even imagine what it was. Um, but here's the end of the, at the end of the day, Matt, when you talk about defense, they gave up 196 points in 85 minutes over the oh, last, so, okay, last so two you, home games. Yeah, what's the, so the Villanova game, I think, is a different animal altogether. Like, um, yeah, offensively, I, they took a step back. A lot of live ball turnovers. Uh, a lot of run, yeah, I don't a lot know of that we're ready. Villanova. Phil Booth got loose. Um, yeah, I think we can dissect a whole different type of. And we can. That game, we certainly that, can. I, think I that know game, you. That, I'm just talking about the Marquette. Yeah, game itself. Like I feel like there was a lot of just negative energy in the moment reacting to that game, and um, I mean, let's be honest. I felt like people lost sight of the whole picture because, like, Bob Ross didn't like how it looked and lit it on fire at the end of the painting. Like, it got muddied, and I feel like people missed the positives. 
because there wasn't any focus on that. Like, and I yeah. get it. You, I get the reaction to the result because at the bottom, at the end of the day, it's a loss, and it's going to be a loss in history. Like, no matter how much you go back and every look time at it, it's going to be a loss every, every time, time we it. play them. You can watch the game over and over every again. Every time, ends. Matt. Every time. You know what I was excited about Saturday afternoon? I had a little bit of downtime. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Georgetown Providence. Why not? Okay. Watch Georgetown Providence. Double overtime. And, you know, they keep showing on the, si- on the split screen. Every time there was a dead ball, they're like, oh, we're almost ready to show you Seton Hall Marquette. I'm like, just watch. The minute that they turn over from that game, what do you think? The first thing, even if the game was going on, they so would probably. you're saying you have to relive it over and over. Oh. And, and what did they do? Of, yeah. The minute that game turns over, oh, you know, Marcus Howard and Miles Powell going at it today. And, oh, by the way, let's just rip that wound open again. <laughs> I cut my fingers open two weeks ago, and I uh, felt like all since last Wednesday, even yeah. though they were healing, another wound just kept getting ripped open. Every time that people would ask me about it, we would talk about it. We're writing about it. We're recording about it. They show the think, highlights. I'm trying to think if people are getting really angry in whatever time it is they're listening to this right now and, like, throwing things in their office cubicle or kicking the dog. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're making them more angry. Really the part that's more. difficult is that they won the game, technically. Yes. I mean, yeah. that that's shot the, was the no good. The result is the hard thing to The shot was it. no good, and you could have just as easily told your kids, oh, my God, I saw the most amazing thing. Marcus Howard, you know, he goes off for 50 or, you know, whatever it was at that point. They get a crazy shot. It's no good. The Jays win. Because that's the problem, right? See, at a, at a, in a major basketball conference at a school where the bell cow sport is men's hoops and all the money goes to that, you judge successful seasons by NCAA tournament appearances. That's it. That's the end of the story, in okay. my mind. Okay. As a season ticket holder, as someone that supported the, the, uh, the team and the program for that long, that's what I judge it by success by. And well, so they I, win I, I that get, game? I get, I get that. But my thing is they're not there yet. So, like, are you getting mad that – are you getting mad at the past right now, or are you mad about the way that game ended? Mad about or the past. Or is it like a mean. combination of everything coming together, and you just like are? No, if you, if are they, you just releasing everything? Because I feel like a lot of people if they pick went up the, hard on Mac after that game because of his decision. I have no problem at with the end of the game. No, but, but like, so my thing is, what are you angry about? Like, do you? I'm angry because that game, they we technically that shot should not have counted, and that yeah. is a big. Uh, resume win if they Could get that dub. Right. And, I mean, they're kind of floating. Not that bracketology is anything right now, but, you know, just you want to be in the conversation, correct? Right. Right. And so entering that game, they're kind of last four buys sort of level on Lenardi, some of these other places. Computer, they've obviously played a tremendously difficult schedule. Mm-hmm. And so the computers love them. They need to pick up a dub here over one of these teams that has a better computer metric than they do. And so that was okay. the game, right? Because okay. right. I figured they're going to... help you out here then because I, I understand where you're going with this. I'm going to help you out. And I'm going to help people out with this. If you're mad that Creighton didn't get a quality win yeah. for their resume, right? Sure. That thing, that end of that game got so much national exposure for two reasons. One, Marcus Howard scored 53 points. Two, there are pictures and sure. video that went viral of that ball still in Sam Hauser's hand. Sure. And and John said something, Neotawa said something interesting to me like when we were just talking that is kind of an interesting point. Like when you think about Creighton's 71-70 loss to Xavier last year oh, yeah. on the call and everything like that, uh, the foul call with the, what, three seconds left? Point three, point three seconds, seconds left. left right? Dave, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. 
Um, is that a loss in the committee's eyes? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So, like, because there's a human element to the, to the committee that I think people overlook when they're trying to, like, well, this team's this ranked in this in the NIT. Like, there's analytics that say who you are, and then there's, like, a conversation that sure. humans have about you. Like, hey, so they got robbed. Let's is, go ahead and give them. <laughs> yeah, so my question is, if people are upset that Creighton missed an opportunity, my question is, from the outside of the box thinking, did Creighton miss an opportunity, or do you say – a miracle happened with 0.7 seconds and that the shot was late based on video and photographic evidence. They didn't lose that game. It kind of got taken from them. So is that a loss? The only reason I say it is, Matt, is Uh because if you had anybody else coming to your building three days later besides Villanova, I think the rebound is not guaranteed, certainly. Right? You're not going to get that, no, like, oh, well, we'll get the next one, and it's DePaul coming to town, and we'll get a win, right? Because DePaul certainly can go on the road and pick up a dub, right? Mm-hmm. They do that this weekend, even though Shamari Pons didn't play. St. John's, plenty of firepower still without Shamari, but they lose at home to DePaul. Um, I think the one team they couldn't have come into the building after that was Villanova on an early morning Sunday game with a team that's veteran enough to travel to wherever the hell they want to go and get a dub, switching up styles to do it making changes, making plays, that's just the worst. And you just, as hard as our guys fought Wednesday night, it, and by our guys, I know you have to be impartial. I don't. As hard as our guys fought and as, I mean, Mitch, Ty, like all those guys, Davion played his ass off. They got to turn right around a couple days later, and they got to get ready for Villanova, who's going to come in, and they're just a machine. Yeah. That, to me, was what made it a loss because I think that's just really hard mentally to and this might be coach speak or media speak or whatever but i feel like that's hard mentally to bounce back from they gave it their damnedest chance you know they've led for 25 27 minutes of the game on sunday too it's just they they just i think they i think it was i think they got tired i I, that's what it seemed like to me oh against villanova they definitely got tired. yeah i mean i think they just got tired and i think and and i think that's where it was a loss that's where that my thing is like i just don't know if you're if you're if you're wondering if Creighton missed an opportunity to build a resume with that game. I don't think that's the game you're going to look at at the end of the year and go, damn. Because I think there's more on the schedule that either could be bad losses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. Or that could be missed opportunities for quality wins. And that's that's why I'm like, all right, let's chill out. Because let's not forget there are eight freshmen and sophomores on this team. Sure. That are experiencing things together for the first time. And the reason I say that. It's because Jay Wright just said it about his team, and he's got two dudes that won national titles. Sure. He just said it to St. John's after they came back and beat St. John's at home. He said, "It's we have experienced guys. But not together. But this team has right. not experienced stuff together. Sure. So they're learning how to do that. And he's got two dudes that won national, national titles. Creighton has how many guys that have played meaningful minutes in this tournament? Think about that when you're evaluating what is happening so far. Yeah. And I'm just like, let it let, yeah. it, let it happen before you say, before you make a overarching opinion about the trajectory of the program. Like, no, where it's, it's going. Not. Like, that's what that's my. That, and I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying that's like the, there was a lot of. I mean, there was a lot, my mentions were like, what's the, going on, dude? Why the Twitters we, still, were we don't bad. stand for this? Like, and there was a lot of like question about apathy in the Villanova game, like fan base energy. I'm just like, I mean, there's other factors working around 11 a.m. Sunday start, but 
I guess I felt like the building lacked energy, but I don't know if it was because people are losing faith in the program. Like, maybe no. there's some of that, but it's like, why are you losing faith when the team with eight freshmen and sophomores are 10 and 7 and right. going to the wire with Marquette and leading for 35 minutes against a Gonzaga team that has beaten Duke? Like, chill out. Like, your expectations are out of whack. Like, yeah. it, it, just sit back and let the process happen. And if in two years this team accomplishes nothing with this, with these, with this core, yeah, let it fly. But, like, chill out in <laughs> let the moment. It fly. Chill out in the moment. The other way. Now. Like, you've got to have some perspective about this whole thing. Yeah, I And think we talked to Mac today. We're not going to play the audio, but, like, we talked to Mac today, and <clears throat> his comment was, I have a responsibility to this fan base to win and win now. But that doesn't, that doesn't exceed – that doesn't over – it's not more of a pri- my my the priority I have the most is to my players sure and to make sure that I'm not panicking that I'm training them properly that I'm developing them properly and that I'm bringing them along as a coach whether it's in a tough love situation or whether it's in like a nurturing situation like I have to bring them through this adversity without having without using the pulse of the fan base against them from the from the expectation standpoint like Nobody wants to win in that gym more than Mac. Nobody wants to win more than the players. So they just got to control what they can control, and that's getting better every single day and working hard and so playing, sa- through their, playing through the stretch. They can't be thinking about the past failures, the past shortcomings, the almosts of the program's history. They've just got to focus on the now and the tomorrow, and that's it. So what's that look like? Because I know you came from practice today, and, and that's a segue, I think, when you say he's, his, his first responsibility is to the players to get them through this adversity, to help them individually as a team, whether it's tough love, all the stuff that you just said, what's that manifest like in a practice today? What did it look like? Well, I mean, today was – they just played Villanova yesterday, so, like, today was just a – Chill? <laughs> I won't say chill. Hmm. Uh, there was a 45-minute right. film session. Perfect. Before practice, and then that's as many minutes as Marcus Howard played. Yeah, <laughs> it was a forty-five minute film session, and there was about a thirty-minute walkthrough of just the ins and outs of St. John's, um, just getting everybody on the same page from a scouting standpoint. Um, and then the the players' their said, weakness is their head coach. <laughs> yeah, that one was free. <laughs> and then um, the players that didn't play, that didn't log heavy minutes against Villanova went through about a 20-minute extended workout, worked on transition offense, transition defense, uh, just got the legs going. And everybody that logged heavy minutes, you know, went through, went shot free throws, did a shooting workout. And, you know, Matt kind of went up to each one of them and kind of like, you know, just coached them through some things. And, you know, it was a personal practice from that perspective uh, at that point of it. But it was more of a mental a mental day of work than it was anything else. Tomorrow will be more physical um, as they get ready to head out to Queens. Yeah, so they play St. John's. So this is a road trip week for the Jays. Uh, We mentioned it before. We went on the air for the Blue Jays Bites podcast, but the Blue Jays head to St. John's. They'll play in Lou Carnesecca Arena on Wednesday night. That's a 5.30 central tip on FS1. And then Monday night, MLK Day, the Jays will be out in D.C., uh, right down the road from Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, monument, and they'll be ho- uh, they'll be visiting the Georgetown Hoyas. Man, talk about a team that's been involved in some tough ones. Um, you know, they come out on the other end, and probably 
picking up a, a home win in double overtime. Providence had that game won a couple times too. Not like .08 seconds won, but pretty close. Uh, Half quarter at the buzzer. Mac, Mac McClung hits a huge three. three. Left, yeah. And so, you know, the old – and that's where this feels a little bit um, frustrating as a Jays fan. Sure, we started off on the right foot in conference play, picked up a road win. Uh, you know, but we only the only team we've beaten is the team that is the Has only team worse the than league. us in the league standings right now. And after these two games this week on the road come up and go go down, you know, we're a third of the way through the conference slate. Uh, we, we need two road wins to pull even here at three and three. Uh, one and three right now with the Jays losing now three straight games in the regular season for the first time in a while. Um, you know, I know a huge difference whether Shamari Pons plays or doesn't play Wednesday night I mean obviously you got to prep for him being out there and going for 30 but uh you know I know he's um he he missed on Saturday for for the for the Red Storm and they they lost lost at home to DePaul so home loss how many teams you think are going to drop a home L to DePaul this year hopefully not us (laughs) (laughs) DePaul's clearly better they look they look better but you know they didn't play anybody in the non-con didn't beat anybody in the non-con for sure right um, but they go up to Carnesecca. Their best win is at St. John's, but St. John's didn't have Shamari, so like. So does that count? But who is St. John's at the same time? They haven't beaten anybody either. Like they've come close to that's beating true. Villanova. And at the end that's of the like day, their, that's Vill- like their marquee game is coming. We almost beat Villanova at Villanova. Like. Yeah, but yeah, Villanova's four zero right now, and so that, that's the other thing too. Is like, Jay's got this thing c- cranked. I mean, the schedule gets easier. For the Jays? Yeah, like sure. That's the other part of it. I keep looking at like when people talk about the one and three and what are they ninth place right now in the standings? Is that where they're sitting? Yeah. And like, I guess they lost to Butler, who and that's Butler's only win of conference play because they choked away one against Xavier. Like, but I'm just like, are we sure that? Like, I see a lot of the eighth and ninth place. Like, well, I guess they were right about us type of talk. Like, are you sure that Creighton's eighth or ninth based on what you've seen from the Big East so far? Like. I mean, honestly. I mean, Xavier has a one-point home win over DePaul or Butler. So does Seton Hall. Seton Hall lost to DePaul. Like, I know. Are we sure that Creighton? Pretty is sure the, this whole league's gonna finish like that's nine what I'm and saying. nine. Right? Like, I'm pretty sure this league's gonna eat itself alive still. And and two teams have already lost to DePaul. Like, so let's you know chill yeah. for a minute because Creighton's losses aren't to DePaul yet. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? thanks. If they lose to DePaul, then we can have different conversations. I love how that's – God, I feel <laughs> so bad for them. Like, that's the standard Sorry, bear. That's, but they, they have a culture until of losing, you, Until you yeah. switch it up, like, that's just that's – that's, that's who they are. That's the low right? bar that you're going to be compared to. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a big stretch coming up for the Jays. I mean, St. John's, Georgetown, both on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, would I be surprised to see the Jays split those? No. Would I be surprised to see the Jays get run out of the gym in both of them? Not really. Really? Oh, yeah. You would not be surprised if Creighton got blown out in both these road games coming up. If Shamari's playing and looking to get his. Okay, okay. And if – Sometimes when he's looking to get his, that's when St. John's true. at the right. reverse. <laughs> right, true. Hang on a minute. Um, he was and, looking to get his, and that's why he lost to Villanova. And then I think Georgetown's starting to get some of their pieces back healthy. I think um, okay. we blasted them in D.C. last year. I don't think that's lost on those guys. True. Govan is a handful. They also don't have Marcus Derrickson anymore, yep, which is that's the true. worst matchup in the league. So. Right. Govan can He's, get going for them. Yeah. Um, I just. But who would you take? Like Martin and Govan might be the two best low post players in the league right now. Yeah. The way they're playing, so like that's sure. A wash, right? Yeah, I think Govan on a, on, a, on his best day is better than Martin on Do his you? best day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if uh, I agree. 
Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, trying to help you out here. That's, hey, man, that's good. I knew this was going to be like a therapy session for you. I but was then, excited to talk to but you. But then you get home and you got three straight at home. And I think yeah, so pink, like Butler, St. John, Xavier at home. Yeah, so pink right? out game. That game's always pumped up. I mm-hmm. think we've lost one pink out game. Right, Maybe Seton two. Hall. That Seton Hall game, that was brutal. Uh, oh, two. We lost to Georgetown, too. Yeah. 15. Uh, yeah. Providence was the pink out. Providence, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Matt got teed up that night, actually. I think he did. Yeah. Because that both game. Both coaches got teed up. Because that right? game was just. I think that was a. Yeah. I think they started out on a 10 0 run and Creighton lost by 10, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? Um, and then you get St. John's at home on a Wednesday night. I think, I think that will be a big atmosphere. And then, man, Xavier's due here at home to just get run. I hope. I hope that. I hope the. I hope X can get put down here at home because <laughs> the last couple of years with X it's, coming it's, to town has been brutal. It's likely, I'll say that. Like I don't they know. just don't look very good. Because you gotta get I mean win over Butler win, one point win over Butler at home notwithstanding. Honestly the next five games the Jays have to go three and two. Because then you go at Villanova, at Seton Hall, at Xavier, Seton Hall at home. Like that's okay. tough. Yeah. Right? And so you need to go three and two at a at a minimum. At a minimum. Here. Yeah. So I you're think, saying okay so protect home court and you're fine with dropping the two roadies. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, do we? I don't feel comfortable. The Jays are gonna. They have not been able to protect home court this season. Okay. So, so that's why your expectation level is like three and two. Do yeah. that, and you've made me. Because, like you're saying, they're young, man. They're like yeah. this team is growing. I know that McAvoy says it's a work in progress, but um, well, it is. It is. He's totally. not wrong when he says that. Not right? at all. Okay. No. And I know it's it's tough words to swallow when because you're driving. I wonder, I, 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 my thing is when I hear that in the presser, I know in the back of my mind how people are going to take that. Sure. Because I've seen their reactions to it. Like, for instance, when I posted the quote after Ohio State, I saw 30 replies or whatever it was saying, oh, 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 oh. like, I get yeah. that people don't want to hear that. But my thing is, like, he's not wrong, people. No, he's not. So my thing is, like, you have to understand that. And that's the other part, too, that makes this difficult. As I know the Jays technically should have won that game on Wednesday night. But for a a team that's a quote-unquote work in progress, coming off on the winning side of a game like that is a huge differentiator than coming off just pissed off. Because they had to have just been beside themselves pissed off. For as mad as the fans were, and I know, like, you, you, I know the coach speak is you just, like, Flush it, right? You go on to the next thing. There's no way that a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old kids could flush that. Right? I, I, I think they can flush it when they're not playing a game. But I feel like when – I felt like when things started going bad against Villanova. 100%. I felt like it oh, came yeah. back. I For felt sure. Like they were like, here we go. Here we go this again. Is, you know what I mean? That's the danger you run into. Because you can act differently in practice. You can act differently in conversations with your friends. Because you're not in the moment right. that traumatized you. You know what I mean? Right. You're, you're essentially having like. You're not back in the battlefield. Th- you're essentially you're having like, what you're having right now is a your shoulder. Right now. Like you're not stressed out right now because you're not watching that happen again. But I bet if I were talking to you right now as Villanova's down nine with like 18 minutes left in the second half, you're going, man. Here, I told. Yeah, it's coming. Sure. Like, they're going to make a run. Phil Booth is going to do Phil something. Phil Booth, top of the key, yeah. three, and yeah. you're just like, as all right. As soon as it goes in, you're like, here it goes. Yep. Like, here we go. So that's the, moment, that's, yeah. the, that's the moment Creighton needs to get over because they're going to face those moments. In a league that's as competitive, it's not elite in terms of what it's normally been, but it is very elite. competitive. Oh, like, sure. There's going to be a lot of close games. Teams are going to make a lot of runs at you. And it's going to be an up and down, like, seesaw battle in a lot of these conference games. Creighton needs to get over getting punched, getting gut punched. Because right now, that's 
They're going to revert back to that yeah. in their minds subconsciously every time it, it kind of someone makes a run on them. They're going to go, oh man. It really does remind me of the third, the 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 um the fourteen fifteen and the fifteen sixteen teams yeah. because those teams had some moments. So much fight, but they knew like, but they just could never. There were so many times the mar- they got snatched from them right? because the margin for error was yeah. so slim. The Seton Hall game at home. Ugh. The Marquette Brutal. game on the road, yeah. like Villanova at home, yeah. Um, Xavier at home, I felt like it was a close one too, right? Yeah. So like, there was just so many moments where it was like, yeah. How many kick in the? How many kicks in the nuts do we have to take? Like, our best effort. We're giving our best effort here. Like, even the basketball the, gods should reward us. Even like, the BYU game in the NIT. I yeah. mean, they played really. Cole was out of his mind playing well. Uh, the Big East tournament game where Cole was just on fire, yeah. but you know, Providence they they. There was just these little. But the year uh, after that, it worked for them. Like I they know. beat Xavier, they beat yeah. Providence, and over like that. You know, like it worked. Like you know, and that's where that thing kind of like goes back and forth. Sure. You know, the things that work against you that you have no control over, you kind of get back sometimes. So that's why we love sports. Why we love sports. Even though I did not love sports. We didn't talk that about day. your Bears though. Either. Well, that was the thing. That's why we haven't podcasted since your Bears doinked one, and since this. I happened, was. So like, I was about three cumulative seconds from that being a fucking sweet week of sports. <laughs> And it was right. not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that was when the When you thing. add up the amount of time that, that you went from, like, jubilation to heartbreak and... It yeah. was brutal. I don't think you... I don't think a fan could have gone through a worse week. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I was out of... I was, I was first year out of college during the Bartman situation. Okay. And, yeah, so that was pretty tough for me that, as a that mu- fan. That must have been... Yeah, that must have been We don't need hard. to do this, though. I mean, I know they brought out a new bench here, but this is certainly not a, a psychiatrist couch. Just, yeah. There's enough room. Um, kick it up. So, yeah, the Jays will get ready to go on the road. They'll play St. John's on Wednesday night. Um, what do you expect to see from the Jays that night? I, you know, you, I, I know before we went on the air, you talked about them and Coach Mack talking about changes or different approaches. I know you and John talked to, on the podcast on the Blue Jay, uh, on the, uh, on the Blue Jay Beat podcast about what they could do to make some changes. Christian Bishop comes in, gives a little bit of a spark in the first half against Nova. He effectively sits the rest of the game. They shortened that bench up quite a bit with Damian Jefferson hurt with an ankle. How's, I, I don't know if you can give an update on him or not. Or if that's pra- a HIPAA deal. practice today. It doesn't nah, sound good. I figured. So, so um, they shortened things up a little bit. So what comes next for these guys as they hit the road and they're looking for answers, trying to stem the tide here and, and cut down a, a three-game losing streak? Yeah, so... Yeah, that was just John and I talking out loud about some things that maybe could happen to the rotation. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, and we think, like, Martin has the capability to play the four because if you think about all the things that he needs to do to play the four, you know, he can shoot the three okay, so, and, he can guard per, and he can guard the perimeter. Like, so, so you're not worried about, like, a matchup thing. Sure. The difference, I guess, with Martin on the floor, and this is what Mac mentioned when we asked him today, was the floor spacing with Mitch at the four versus Martin at the four. So much different. Is so much because while Martin is capable of knocking down threes, teams aren't guarding him like he can. Like they're gonna, or I guess the better way to put it is like they're gonna live with him shooting threes. They won't let him like go off, but they will be fine with like him camping out there if he wants to in terms of like a floor spacer and which is that's what the four does in Creighton's offense so from that perspective it changes uh their spacing offensively and that hurts a little bit 
Um, but there are some games where Creighton can take advantage of a bigger lineup I- inside. And I do think St. John's, St. John's is, one is one of them. them. Yeah, I do Agreed. think that. I don't know if Georgetown is. Georgetown's got some size for sure. Um, but St. John's got beat up pretty good in the post by DePaul. And, you know, I think a lineup with Martin at the four and Christian at the five or Martin at the four and Sam at the five can be effective against a St. John's team that's pretty – They're don't get me wrong, they're long, but they're like wing long. Sure. They're not big, you know no. what I mean? So, like, I think Creighton has an advantage in the post against them if they want to use a bigger lineup. Okay. But um, how's that length on the perimeter then on the, on the wing that affects, really that affects, affects Mitch twofold. It'll affect things. Yeah, it'll affect things defensively because Creighton's going to have a hard time – finding much room to operate in terms of getting their threes going uh, and even even driving the ball because St. John's is really active with their hands. Um, they Great. like to create turnovers. They like to, they're a little bit reckless defensively, but they have athleticism to be a little reckless. So that's going to be a difficult challenge. And then the other part of it is they – offensively, St. John's is a good three-point shooting team, and they've got guys who are long – who can step out beyond the three-point line. They don't have to toe the line to let it go. And they can kind of shoot over the top of defenders a lot. And they did it to Villanova pretty well. They did it against DePaul and Marquette. Um, So, yeah, that's that's, – so there's some give and take. Creighton can exploit some things against St. John's. St. John's can exploit some things against Creighton. It is an interesting matchup. I do feel like – I don't know if I feel like one team has an advantage at full strength or otherwise, like – even if Shamari plays, I wouldn't be surprised if Creighton found a way to win that game. Sure. Um, and the, the, the opposite is true. I wouldn't be surprised if St. John's holds home court. Um, it's an interesting matchup because there are ways that both teams can get the better of the other. It's just I guess it will be a matter of how much, how much can each team counteract what the other team has in terms of their advantages uh, and how much can they exploit theirs. So that's what it's going to come down to. A busy week of Big East men's hoops, so no games tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night like we do every Monday night, uh, holidays aside from Scriptown Brewing. Um, but Tuesday night in the league, Seton Hall travels to Providence. That just goes to show you, right, the Friars 0-3 in the league so far. Uh, they're at home against Seton Hall, which was, uh, which was coming into the Big East play, one of the better teams uh, record-wise and um, computer-wise in the conference. Providence right now, uh, a one-point favorite there. Marquette up to 15th in the rankings now. They go to Georgetown. They go to D.C., and they're, uh, they're getting three points. Uh, you know what Marquette's currently doing right now? They're, like, using Xavier's luck from last year. Right? It, like, it passed Because they got on. lucky against Creighton. I'm just going to say they got lucky against Creighton. I oh. don't care who gets mad about that. Matt, they technically and, uh, lost the game. And against Seton Hall... Um, Howard fouled McKnight on that three-pointer that didn't get called. Like I know. He got him really good on the wrist, like arm, everything. They got lucky twice this week. Yep. And Xavier was a team that had a lot of lucky wins last year, and they got a one seed that they didn't deserve. And then they got exposed. A big title that they didn't deserve because they got housed both times by the number two team. Um, and then they paid for it in the NCAA tournament by getting a second round exit. So, like, all that stuff has a way of working. I, don't, I know it's like, oh, well, that stuff doesn't – it's what are you saying? It's magic. Well, I'm just saying. Well, that's what I told. Things have a way of the universe has a way of correcting is, itself. Is all I'm well, saying. Well, that's like, what I told J- James the next day because you know I after on Thursday when I <laughs> uh, 
So I drop James off at school and pull up to the parking lot. And there's three other dads I know for sure of, the, of his friends that they all go to Jay's games. We just so happened that morning to get to the parking lot at the same time. We all get out of our cars at the same time. Yeah. We all look at each That's other. That's the universe bringing you together. We are all just, moment, right? We're all just looking at each other like, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so the boys go in to school, and, and we come back out. We're talking, and, and then, you know, I'm driving, down to sc- I'm driving down to work from there, and I'm like, you know what? To that point about the universe, watch this. And I'll just say it now in case it happens, and everybody will be like, God, he's so smart. Watch this be the team that makes the Sweet 16 for the Jays. I mean, watch it. Same. Watch them get. Watch them get off a little bit. Watch them get off and wear the blue uniforms for two games, <laughs> the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, and just watch something happen like that. Crazy, because that shit happens all the time in college basketball. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're picking up. They're picking up hard luck situations right now. Right. They lo- They learn. I think. I hope they learned a lesson against Butler. <laughs> they were. Super lax with the basketball yeah, on the, the perimeter. Other, that's the other thing that we haven't talked about. Is they need to get I don't want to talk need, about they need that. To get over the road funk because they have not played well away from home yet. No, and I think part of that goes up. I mean, uh, the Providence game notwithstanding, but but I mean, honestly, Providence—that's that's the one outlier. outlier that's the outlier, so far, right? and they didn't play a lot of road games. And, yeah, you know, I mean, true road games in non-conference play. Like I get it. You're in. A, I think they played enough. Nebraska they, and Oklahoma are more than anybody else's playing. Yeah, but I know, but they didn't play those until their two last non-conference. Uh, oh, sure, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Late like, the, it was kind of like okay. they – anyway. I get you. But, but I, you know, I was just kind of laughing to myself, like, watch this be the thing. You know, they slip in. They end up getting sent to Dayton. Shit, maybe they win three games before Nebraska wins their first. Who knows? But, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's just – that can happen. And I get it. But it's frustrating in the moment. Um, because they were there against Marquette. And I know what you're saying about technicalities and is that a loss in the eyes of the committee. You know, it's an L, and it's tough because that's two games, back-to-back seasons where Marquette's hung 100 on them, um, and they arguably could have won both games. Mm-hmm. They did win this game, uh, and, and it's difficult to come back from that. But anyway, like you said, the universe has a crazy way of working things out in college hoops. Um, it just does, man. I, so. I'm not predicting anything, but I'm just saying, like, you know. Anyway. It's weird. So set up this interview with Davion, and then we'll let people go. We'll let people – we'll end the show with Davion. Um, okay. I know you got about 20 good minutes with him today after practice, but Davion obviously switching things up a little bit. He, he drew the assignment on Marcus Howard for Marquette, and, you know, 53 points notwithstanding, <laughs> thought his effort was really good. Yeah. Um, and then – I'm. Phil you Booth know, on Sunday. Phil Booth on Sunday. That's a tough one-two Shemari punch. Ponds. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I know you guys wrote about him wanting to be the defensive stopper, but then reality sets in, and you got those guys that you're staring across from. Uh, yeah. So set up this interview. Talk, well, we'll talk about first, what Davion has to say. Yeah, like the first thing on that is like <laughs> Davion wants that responsibility, and he's being given that responsibility because he is the best defender on the team. And uh, – I kind of have a feeling that people took that and said, okay, Davion, go be Kyrie. Right. And I think that's a mistake. Like, there are, they're not the same player. They're not created the same. So Davion being a, de- a top perimeter defender, the defensive stopper, if you will, on the team, is not the type of defensive stopper that Kyrie was. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I do. Let's know. let's make that. I don't know if I thought that was clear when we wrote about the fact that he was taking on the responsibility of being the defensive stopper, but 
based on the reaction of some people since, yeah. I don't feel like that point was clear. So my mistake on not making that clear. Uh, but Davion is the best defender on the team. He wants the toughest assignment every night. That's the mentality he has. Um, and that's what you want out of a guy who is going to do that because he has to have that mentality. And uh, he's looking forward to the Shamari challenge. Like, he is, you know, he's a, he studies film, which is what you want, number one. He studies tendencies. He works hard. Um, all the things you need out of a defensive stopper, he's doing. So the work is being put in. And then the athleticism is there to do it. So I wouldn't worry about Davion because Davion's going to give you what you need out of that position. Some guy who's going to want to guard the best perimeter player. Sure. Um, that's just what I'll say on that. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that mentality, what goes into being uh, a good defender, the guy on the team that wants those assignments. Because if people remember his freshman year, you know, his career has kind of taken an interesting turn because he went from his freshman year of not being able to stay on the floor because of his defense to now not being able to be taken off the floor because of his right. defense to the point where he might actually, like, in some weird way, like, lose the point guard position because of that because they, he's so important to them defensively that they need to, like, take the load off of him offensively. Sure. Like, it's hard to run a team and shut down another guy. Like, so – in a weird way, he's kind of like he's morphing into an off guard because of how much responsibility he has on that end of the floor. And the fact that he's willing to do that and willing to sacrifice the point guard position at the cost of being the defensive stopper, I think says a lot about him and his character and just how competitive he is. And, and so we, you know, and my thing was just trying to get to the root of why he wanted to be that player and how he morphed into that player after being kind of a liability on the end of the floor as a freshman to now sure. being the guy that, you know, has to log a lot of minutes and track a lot of talented dudes around. Um, you know, and then we talk about how, you know, you recover mentally and what you focus on when a guy drops 53 on you, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. Um, because that's how it looks when you say Davion was the guy guarding him and all that. Like, you have to – he has to kind of look at how he, how he did – um, so we talk a little bit about his, his self-assessment in that game and in that regard. Um, and then we talk a little bit towards the end about, like, his brother, uh, his big brother who's from – Davion's family is interesting. He has a big brother that's kind of around his age. And there's, like, a giant gap, and then there's, like, some younger siblings. Um, so, but his brother goes to Creighton. He's in Omaha and, like, is constantly at practice. He's Davion's, like – biggest supporter and he's also his biggest critic so like he's there when Davion needs a kick in the butt and he's there when Davion needs you know that's a pick support. me up you yeah. know what I mean so like, there's an interesting dynamic there because if you know Davion's brother you know he's very brash very cocky uh, he cracks me up because he's so confident in himself but like he's also a balancing force for Davion interesting and I think it's an interesting perspective and to hear him talk about like what kind of role his brother actually plays in his life and, you know, how that translates to the kind of player Davion is and the fans get to see, I thought was pretty cool. So um, that's an interesting part of this interview that nice. you'll get to hear. All right. Well, yeah, without further ado, 
we'll go ahead and play that interview with uh, Davion Mintz. But before we do that, we'll sign off for the night so we can uh, leave these good people to their interview with Davion Mintz and then let them get ready for Creighton at St. John's. Watch uh, party, though. Watch party. Uh, yeah, we're going to be Georgetown. throwing together a watch party at Scriptown Brewing on Monday night, uh, January 21st. Martin Luther King Day, right? Martin Luther King Day. So Jays will be out in D.C. on uh, Monday, the 21st of January. Jays game is at 7.30 Central Time that night. Uh, come to Scriptown around 6.37. We're going to have some, uh, some free food. We'll have the drink deals going on, the creatini probably in the house. Uh, people enjoyed that uh, quite a bit on uh, New Year's Eve afternoon. So we'll have that on the 21st. We'll send some information out about that in our newsletter and on all of our social media channels as well. But yeah, join us in uh, Scriptown Brewing in the Blackstone area, Blackstone District here on the 21st of January for our next viewing party, Jay's Road Game viewing party. Uh, so yeah, Matt, really appreciate you uh, stepping it up again like usual. Appreciate the interview with Davion and all the time you put in down at the Championship Center and sitting courtside at the CHI Health Center, watching these Blue Jays, the work in progress that they are, fight through some of these, uh, these rough outcomes and hopefully coming out on the other end with some, uh, some wins here pretty, pretty shortly. So for Matt DeMoranis, I'm Brian Tott, signing off for all the good folks at White and Blue Review and uh, John and Jill and everybody at Scriptown Brewing. Appreciate you guys having us here again for the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Have a great rest of your night, great rest of your week, and go Jays. Hey Davion, thanks for taking time after practice to hang out and chat. Um, I guess like coming off the this three game losing streak you guys are on right now, it's you know obviously longest of the year, so it's like a new situation, unfamiliar feeling, especially with a young team. I guess uh, as a veteran on this group, uh, where are you at? Mentally, with how everything sits, like it's not—it's the three-game losing streak. It's not like three losses that have created equal. You know, like right. you lost the Butler game for a different reason, then you lost the Marquette game, you lost the Villanova game for a different reason, you lost the Marquette game. It's all, it's all kind of different ways. Lost these games. Like, where do they all sit with you in terms of how you're trying to approach them in terms of winning? Why it happened? Yeah, I mean, right now mentally, I'm just—it's definitely unfamiliar. I mean, it's not a situation that you want to be in, but. Um, the way that the approach that I'm taking and the way that I'm trying to give it to my teammates is we rather right now, you know, than be it our last three games and we lose them. I mean, we have time to correct it, time to talk with the coaches, time to figure it out. So it's just one of the things that um, you have to realize you're in a tough league. Uh, there's good players, good teams, coaches, and you've got to keep battling every day as if it's a new, fresh start. You could argue that. When you look at the Butler and Villanova losses in particular, that yeah, I know points off turnovers is kind of like a, a stat you kind of have to look beneath the surface of to figure out how they're scoring off three turnovers. But it seems like in those games there were a lot of live ball turnovers that were very costly that turned into pick sixes that you guys didn't have a chance to defend anything in that possession. Like you just gave it away and they scored off of it. When you look at how you lost those games in that area of the of the, of the game itself. What, what about those turnovers and those plays that you guys made mistakes on stands out to you in terms of what can be corrected going forward? Yeah, um, just like you said, plays like that are tough because even if a, a, a missed shot, like a long rebound, is even basically considered a live ball turnover. So um, plays like that we try to keep at a minimal because 
Um, there's guys that and teams that have picked up their transition game a lot and can easily get out and score off a, a mistake. So um, things like that we just try to keep to a minimum, even though it has been, you know, high in some of our losses. Um, but how can how can ball security get better? Um, because you guys like to play fast, right? They play with a lot of pace in the quarter court and everything. So there's going to be more mistakes being made because of the nature of the way you guys play. Right. What kind of, I guess, mistakes can you live with versus which ones are the mistakes being made that end up costing you? Right. Um, Non-aggressive mistakes. I mean, I, I look at it and I, the way that our coaches kind of look at it, if you're trying to make the right play for an extra, like an extra pass or, a, you know, an aggressive mistake is one of the best mistakes because you can, it's not like a, a huge loss. You can learn from it. Like, okay, um, I did that hard. Maybe he'll bite next time. He got he got it this time. I got my read, so maybe you know something else will come off of it. But I mean, if you're just going in soft or doing something that you know is just not aggressive, you're just giving it to the other team. That's something you can't live with, and I'm sure that's something that the coaches have would appreciate. When you look at the Marquette game and the way it went down, how hard was it to live with? fact that you guys probably did everything you needed to do, especially defensively down the stretch. You guys, you, know, you forced turnovers, you got stops. You did the things against a high-powered offense like that to get the win, and then it didn't happen. And then the way it transpired at the end was probably a little bit shocking to the system. Like, how, right. how hard was that to get over? It sucked because like, as I'm underneath the basket, as they're taking it out, um, after we threw it down court and didn't get it, it's just like, it's like my life just went in slow motion. Like I just had a, a feeling that somehow, some way, they would make a last second shot. And it was, and I'm looking at the clock, just thinking like, okay, Marcus is taking it out. Um, he doesn't have time to come back and get it, so who would shoot it? But when it went in, it's like the ball was just moving, it's like really slow. And once it sunk, I was like, I knew it. Like I knew it would uh, beat the buzzer, regardless of kind of what you know the pictures may show and. It just, just felt like they would counter, so um, I knew that they would bring a different type of energy knowing that they had the momentum after a shot like that. Because it gave them like a second life on It did, and it kind of woke them like, okay, we should capitalize off of this because we shouldn't even be here right now. And um, I think that that's kind of what got um, them into the groove of, you know, kind of finishing out, finishing out on us. Uh, Max said you were... Uh you had already watched film of the game before he met with you the next day. What What did you see on film from that game in terms of your assignment that night and um, how you would grade your own performance and what you thought you did take away or to make Marcus Howard uncomfortable? Because I think it's like you probably see all of the hype he got the next day and the days following. Like Marcus Howard dropped 53 on Creighton, and I imagine that didn't sit well with you hearing all that right. stuff like but what did you see on film when you rewatched that um, in terms of like how much of that you could have prevented um, it's just one of those things when you know you're playing with uh, against a really good guy uh, a really good shooter and uh, once you get hot I mean once anyone gets hot they're going to get it going but um, I just tried to watch uh, I canceled all the noise out and just tried to watch like every single shot I probably watched every shot about 10 times, like how much space I gave him and what made him feel comfortable to come off and take the shots he took. 
and versus like how much space I should give him next time. Um, he's really quick guy, so sometimes you got to play the drive. Also, I noticed when I would cut him off, he would have that extra time to just take a step back off of me and get it off. So um, just kind of watched it to be prepared for when I did watch film with Coach to let him know, okay, this is what I saw. This is what, like, I want to know what you see, how we can prevent this next time and just come up with a game plan for um, how to run him off the line, just simple things. But um, I would grade my performance. Like, it was good, but I, I don't like the fact that he did get that many off, so it just wasn't good enough for um, my goals and what I wanted out of that game. Why do you want? Why do you want this responsibility? Like it's, you know, everybody nowadays in basketball feels like they can do what Marcus Howard can do. Like they feel like they can be the next guy who drops fifty and gets to make the rounds on, with the national media and gets to be the center of attention. Like, why this year do you do you decide you wanted to be the guy who limits those moments for other guys? Like, why did you want to be the guy who um, takes the main assignment, who shuts everybody's water off? Like, right. What 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 gets in your mind and said I want to be the stopper? Uh, just the urgency that um, that we needed for our team. Um, like I just knew that this it was very urgent and that like I realized like nothing in my life for me has ever came easy. Like I've always had to work for everything that I've gotten, and I realized that in order to get where you want to go, you have to. Uh, it shouldn't be easy. I mean, everyone can't do it, and I know that. Um, as a leader and as a, a guy that's been here and seen the type of um, ability and the mindset that you have to have for that position, I thought that why not me? Like why not take on that ranks? And just um, it's just one of those things where you get tired of the coach harping on the same thing. Like this is my third year, and um, it's a part of the game. Like you don't want to hear that you need to play defense. It should just come with it. Like. Um, and for me, I kind of realized... Well, because that's probably a lesson you learned as a freshman, right? right. Like, there were times where you couldn't stay on the court because of your defense. Now you right. can't. Now you can't be taken off the court because of, your, because of how good right. you are. Like, they need you on the floor defensively, whether it's whether you're the primary ball handler or not. Like, what did that maturation process start for you, and how did you improve yourself in that area of the game to the point where you went from being a guy who couldn't stay on the court because of his defense to now right. you can't be taken off the court for his, because of his defense? Just... Just wanting to play, like you said, like just doing whatever you got to do to stay on the court. Um, and for me, it kind of just it keeps me more locked in. Like once you get contact, once you get physical, like like once somebody hits me or try to go after me, it kind of wakes my whole game up. So uh, for me, I kind of enjoy it. Like it keeps me more focused on the court. Um, and it's just something that um, I knew I had to do the way I had to progress my game throughout the years that I've been here. When you look at the team you guys have around you and how many young pieces um, are on the roster, a lot of guys that were in the position you've been in, a lot of guys that are learning the lessons you learned. What do you see for this group in terms of how good you guys can be defensively if you keep doing the things that you guys practice every day, um, all of the principles you guys try to instill, all the discipline you guys are trying to learn? Um, do you feel like there's a lot, there's guys on this team that can do, like follow your path and the same trajectory year on, and by the time they're in your position, become uh, better on that side of the floor the way you have? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hope so. Uh, but first, like, it takes 
individual to want to like want to do it first. Like you have to just be fully bought in. And I I see it in the future. I mean, for for first, if they don't do it, I know that it has to be forced to right. by the coaching staff. Right. Um, it's just one of those things. Like you just have to want to do it. Like no one. I didn't wake up and say I want to be good on defense. Like I want to work on my like. It just took. It just took like time to know that this is how you're gonna have to play. This is how you're gonna help your team. And you have to be bought in to do that. And um, I can see it that just whoever wants to, um, especially you know after I leave and things like that. Was it tough to transition from a different, um, a different coach in that area of the floor, like going from D Rock's voice to Lust's voice to some of the different things he coach Lust tries to do in terms of tracing the ball and. Right. You know, jumping the ball and being more pressure oriented on the perimeter. Like, I guess what was that? Tough, was that a tough transition to go from one voice to the next? After you had heard the same one for so many first year of your career. Yeah, um, they kind of have two different approaches, even though like they mean the same thing. So for me, it's just not about like how they say it; it's about what they're saying to me. So um, D Rock had more of like aggressive, like you know, really wants you to do it and letting you know he's upset with it if you don't do it. Which is, I mean, good. Both both of them have really two good, you know, strategies. But for Coach Lus, I like appreciated the way he came in and kind of, you know, just just things that he would do to just let us know, like, okay, you did good right there, but I need more. Just stuff like that, and like you can kind of appreciate the way that he wants you to just get after it, and that's what kind of encourages you more as a defender to keep going. So your uh, assignment doesn't get any easier. You've you're two games removed from Marcus Howard. You had Phil Booth last game, who's won a national championship. Uh, now you get arguably the best, most creative one-on-one player maybe in the country in Shamari Pons, um, provided he's healthy, obviously. There's some question there. But what, is that, what does that assignment look like to you when you think about it in terms of all the, the years you've played him, the experience you have against him, um, and how different of a matchup is it than the Marcus Howard and the Phil Booth when you just... Uh, just crossover yeah well the first like the biggest thing is that like, he's left handed so yeah that's a whole different system, yeah. like a whole different like you do everything backwards don't you right yeah. and um, just knowing like his spots knowing what he wants to do uh, just being a, a totally different hand but um, really all of the guys are pretty much crafty but um, just and also speed like the way that the guys play at a different pace but for me, like this is what I wanted. This is um, the challenge that any great basketball player that is aspiring to be would want. Um, and for me, it's just one thing that can help me build, you know, my resume. So I appreciate it, guys that can come in and have the talent and the exposure that they're getting right now. Um, does so it hype you up more? It definitely does. Seeing like, oh, this dude's got. You know, a lot of pub, a lot of people backing in, a lot of people expecting highlight reels every night. Right. Do you, do you take pride in the, the challenge of trying to prevent those from happening? Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely do. Um, it's just, it's, this is what you want. I mean, as a as a competitive player. Yeah. Do you? Uh, I mean, not to try to compare you to Kyrie. I don't mean to do that. But he, you know. When Creighton has a guy like that who's won two Defensive Player of the Year awards, and he leaves, uh, what like what did you learn from him? What kind of communications do you still have with him if you do? Uh, just about what it takes to be this type of player. Maybe not to the level in, of what Kyrie could do defensively, but just like 
the basics of what it takes to you know center your focus on that every game of being the number one option defensively. Right. Um, well, me and Kyrie still talk often, and like um, we never talk about just strictly uh, like defense. We just talk about like just leadership roles, like what you have to do, what type of mindset you have to come into the game with, and. Um, we were just blessed two different ways. I mean, Kyrie has a really long yep. wingspan, um, and you know, it's just it's just really a mindset. It's not even more talent, uh, or it's just one of those things that you just have to uh, come with and bring a different type of uh, dog eat dog mindset every game. Yeah. What'd you learn about? I, I don't know if you, do you remember his freshman year and how much he struggled on that side of the ball and how much he improved. Is there anything you learned about his process and becoming a good defender that you've taken, you know, things that aren't measurable, I guess, things that are just maybe centered around your mental focus in your area, in that part of the area? Yeah, like um, my senior year in high school, like I, I watched a lot of the games and I could see uh, sometimes where he would struggle, but I think it's kind of the same thing that basically I went through just wanting to play wanting to be on the court um, and knowing like what you have to do to um, be different and you know stick out to your staff that okay this is the type of role that I feel like this team needs and this is what I want to carve out for myself and I want to be the one to do it so um, pretty much like that's kind of what I saw from him just kind of watching the game I didn't know like exactly who he was but every time I watched him like Okay, this guy is like really playing defense. Like, I don't know who he is, but he's really locking up out there. And um, just and a lot of people, you know, don't see stuff like that. A lot of people just watch the offensive side of the ball, and uh, sometimes it goes unnoticed. But um, for the people it matters to, uh, they'll see it, and um, that's just kind of what I saw, and that's where I, I saw myself doing as well. Your freshman year, you had to, you know, when Maurice went down. You were the guy that had to step up and kind of help that team through adversity in the best way you could as a true freshman. What 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 did you learn about what that process is like with a team that has high aspirations, right? But it's a process to get to that point. And now this year you find yourself in a position where you're facing some adversity in season. Um, you have lost three in a row in league play. Like, what does it take to climb out of this? Um, and not let it kind of eat you alive inside the locker room. Uh, just maturity. I mean, it was uh, much different my freshman year with high expectations. Like, once he went down, like, the next game after that, we're number seven in the country. Like, we're on ESPN. We're, like, the expectations are really high. You're a freshman coming in. Um, but it's just one of those. It's, and it's different um, levels. Like, high school, I played parts as a freshman, ended up starting and stuff. But... It's much different, uh, exposure is much different, like the world is watching. And it's just one of those things where you have your coaching staff, your teammates, and like your family around you the most to kind of just keep you, um, you know, poised and just know that regardless, uh, you're here for a reason, everything happens for a reason, and just, you know, be yourself and uh, try to do what you have to do. And that's just the kind of same mindset that we're taking right now. You know, um, it will get better, and it's, right now it's just, uh, it's a hard run, but we're going to go on runs where we'll be completely opposite as we are right now. We have three-game winning streaks, and um, we have to keep the same mindset, win or lose. 
So this is going to be a real challenge for you in the, in the locker room this upcoming week because you've got a lot of Chiefs fans and you've got a lot of Patriots fans. Yeah. Like, how do you keep the locker room from fracturing with that kind of drama surrounding this entire week? See, I'm not I'm not a huge football fan, yeah, but like, sometimes I look around like, okay, are they about to brawl? Like, <laughs> is Tom Brady this serious? Like, so it's it's, it's getting a little wild. Yeah, I mean, right, uh, we got our New Englanders, we got even our coaching staff. I mean, we got Mitch, and we got Christian Jet, like trying to keep them separated. But I, I I'm really ready to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, I'd like to see how deep it's gonna get. Yeah, I think they're gonna have me watching the games now. Right. You have to be there because if you're going to separate, if it's going to get wild in the third quarter, right? You know, some things are going to get said that can't be unsaid. You got to give a look. He doesn't mean that. He's just caught up in the moment. Right. It's all good. Still family. Try to keep him calm. Right. Right. (laughs) Who do you ride or die with sports-wise? Like that would get you at that point. Is there anybody? I would die with the Lakers. I've been the Lakers. Lakers? I've been a Laker my entire life. I know, but I grew up. I grew up with my dad. Like he was my first basketball coach. and we had Lakers, like, okay. and he had, um, like, these super dope gold jerseys. And I would wake, and since he was a coach, I would already have, like, my uniform. He would have our uniforms hanging down, like, the bottom of the steps. Every morning, I'm just seeing Lakers gold. I had my Kobe Bryant's with the two straps. And just, like, ever since, it's Kobe Bryant Lakers. I mean, so you guys, you guys get tickets to, like, Hornets games and everything from where you're from and right. it's your ride or die Lakers. Huh? Ride or die Lakers. Wow. <laughs> and we had season. You even have MJ as the owner of your franchise. And you can't even, you still go Laker gold. Huh? I'm dying for the Lakers. Wow. <laughs> hey, so like what's the playing in MSG then? Like growing up as a NBA fan and everything like that. Like, what was your like, oh my God, playing basketball game in Madison Square Garden? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. Um, it's crazy because, like, sitting in the stands, everything looks so wide. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you're on the court, everything is real narrow. So it's like you're real tight in there, especially, I mean, with people in there. But it's crazy. Like, I had to look like Kobe got off on this court. I yeah. mean, Melo just got off on this court. Like, I'm standing, shooting on the same rims as them. It's like, it's kind of like a fanboy moment, but... Um, you still looking like, wow, I'm here too. Somebody saying, yo, Davion played on that court too. So it's real dope. Is, is it crazy to, like, it's like the world's most famous arena and everything like that. It's got a lot of history inside of it. But I don't think people realize until they've seen a game that comes down to the wire that means a lot. Yeah. Just how, like, truly how much magic can happen inside that building. Like, yeah. What was, like, the game against, like, Xavier, for example, the one that comes down to Marcus hitting just a heroic shot and, yeah. you know, beating a team that ends up going to the Elite Eight? Like, in a high-stakes game like that at Madison Square Garden with the crowd just lit, not even, like, Jays fans or Xavier fans, but just, like, everybody that's caught up in spectator mode just trying to watch heroes, like, hero make hero plays and things like that. Like, what is it like to be in that moment when Madison Square Garden is, like, popping to its max in a moment like that? It's super dope. I mean... Just to hear it, hear this, I don't know, it's like a dream come true, really. I mean, and like that's being serious because, like, I remember just being in my um, yard, like, our court is on the side of my house, and like, we have like a wide backyard, so after I score, I'm like just bumping my chest, like, slapping, pointing up to people, like, imagining it's there, and it's like, we have that here, like, even at our home games, like, we have that here, and just being at MSG, like, I never would have thought, like, a basketball, like, it it can't take you there. 
So it's real special. It's a blessing. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. Yeah, I don't think I, I even as a spectator, you get caught up in like, man, there's like when you walk into that place, you like feel like the ghosts of like legends pass, and they're like, wow, there's, this building has trapped some historic moments, and it, it overwhelms you a little bit. And the dopest part about it is like I've been a performer there. Yeah. Like, quote first than I've been a spectator. Right. So like I've been in there to have people watch me before I've been in there watching. So that's the mm-hmm. dopest part about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That's dope. Hey, so like I give your brother a hard time. He talks a lot of shit, but yeah, he is your biggest supporter. Man. And like I guess you know to have him here with you at Creighton and like I don't know in maybe tough moments or even good moments just to have him like I don't know he goes down to Nebraska you guys get your butt with, but he's running his mouth like with Husker fans like right. just like ready to throw down if it needs to be done like Man. in defense of you like what does it mean to have him around um, as much nonsense as he talks as much trouble as he can get in but to know he's got your back 100% Man that's 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 my best friend like that's the that's the biggest blessing I've ever had in my life is my big bro because like it's crazy like he'll never say anything bad to like about me no, to y'all yeah. and like you'll be like he won't, he's the only, you're the only guy he won't tell me he's ever beaten one on one like ever. he's like he's just like we beat each other I don't know right but and everybody he, else will be like yeah I beat that dude right yeah. and that dude like he'll, he'll you'll be like yo come on you got one thing to say about bad about you but he'll never say Mm-mm. it but as soon as we get in private he's like bro you did not do this today like you really? did not guard him like you need to get in the gym like let's go right now and it's dope because he'll talk what he say what he has to say and then he'll come right in the gym with me. It doesn't matter what time it is, but he's all he's my biggest critique and he's my he's my best friend, best supporter and like he's why I'm can play at this level I am right now, honestly. Like he packed my bags in high school, woke me up, drove me to school and like that's stuff you can't forget. <laughs> what what's the uh, I guess this is probably a tough question to answer, but like and you're in everybody's got moments where they feel like it's not working out and it's it's too frustrating, it's too hard, and things like that. Would you do you think there's like a part of you that um, would say it's easy to quit if it weren't for a guy like that in your corner? Oh um, yeah. Like a moment where it's just like where you just have the most doubt you've ever had in your mind where you don't have confidence in your game and your work ethic and your ability to do the process correctly without a guy like that who's, you know, got the ability to hype you up as much as put you down like Right. Would you be able to get through it without that? No, not at all. Because like, and this is something that I've worked on like my entire life. I'm sure it may sound odd to y'all, but like sometimes like, and even growing up, I just had a really bad temper. Really? And yeah, and it was just like having a, my brother, someone that's completely opposite as me. Like you literally have to punch him in the face to get him mad. Mm-hmm. But, like for me, like if you like say something to me, I may like get on edge. So just having someone completely different than me to tell me like, okay, bro don't like just chill you got it like don't worry that's been like the best thing for me um here because like there's times where you're frustrated in your game even frustrated with your coach frustrated with your teammates like anything um and just to have someone like have a different approach and like mindset as you really helps cool hey man well thanks for sitting down thanks for chatting for sure good luck out on the east coast i appreciate it Good luck with Shamari if he's healthy. It'll be yeah. fun to watch you go one-on-one there. For sure. And, uh, yeah, just, I guess good luck in those games. Appreciate Thanks it, a lot. Man. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right.